Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. You're listening to 95.9 WATD. I don't think I said that the first. I know they run that on commercials, but um, the South Shore's very own radio station, and this is the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. You do this DJ thing so well. <sighs> uh, my guest this morning is Jeremy Devaney of Fairway Independent Mortgage, and we're chatting about mortgages and all that stuff and we sort of put together an outline of things we wanted to touch on this morning because we knew we wouldn't um, be able to take callers because we're pre-recorded and we do apologize for that we try to be live whenever we can but it's I won't blame it I won't blame it on Jeremy because I am going to be away on totally Saturday. my fault but it you know it's a blast <laughs> always coming on with you did you ever DJ in college like no. how'd you wind up on the radio <laughs> no. that's because my father started the show in 19... <laughs> you inherited it <laughs> I did in 1990 something or other and um so folks estate planning is really early... important because you might wind up as a radio DJ no, right. if you don't plan correctly early on in my <laughs> actually I can remember when I was maybe, so I must have been, I don't know, 10, 12, 14, something like that. I can actually remember coming with him on Saturday mornings to WATD because probably my mom had something to do and maybe they, I, well, maybe I was younger than that because if they didn't want me to be home alone. <laughs> but I think at 14 I was home alone and it was fine. Um, but I can actually remember and there's a little um, kitchenette area at WATD and I can remember him sitting me in that room and I would do something, whatever, and, and he would do the show for a couple hours and I can remember that when I was younger. So Hilarious. Um, in training from an early age. He's just, but yeah, so early on in my career, he, um, 
I, I had zero comfort with it at the beginning, but early on when I joined him in the firm, um, you know, he would drag me in with him. And if, you know, for a while it was more sitting and listening and observing how he did it. And, and just over time you get more comfortable with it. And it's easier when you have guests such as yourself who are just comfortable talking about stuff. Don't and, even, you know, when even. the conversations <laughs> flow nicely, it's, um, you know, it's, it's a lot easier, but it's just been, well, it's been 16 years. So put a, put it's, a couple um, of nerds inside a, a booth and we can talk all day about it. Right? <laughs> I know. I know. Let's talk about taxes. Yeah. Uh, um, well, no, but, but before that, the, but, uh, Jeremy Devaney, why don't you just, we actually haven't had you give out your contact sure. info. So why don't you do that? So Devaney Mortgage D-E-V-A-N-E-Y mortgage.com. You can find everything you need there. Jeremy.Devaney at fairwaymc.com or 781-680-5626 my, in my cell number. Always can reach me there as well. Okay. Um, before the show, we were, I asked you about cash out refinancing. Yeah. And I... Um, I, there, I've certainly in the, pa- in the past few years recommended that in various situations, not incredibly frequently, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but mostly because of what we talked about earlier on in the show and that, you know, debt is an emotional weight and, and, and most people in most situations, I would recommend trying not to carry much debt as right. you approach retirement or get into retirement. So, you know, that I sort of always approach it from that angle. Um, but, th- but having said that, there have been times where I've recommended a cash out refinance in certain situations sure. where it was appropriate. And, um, and, you know, I can actually think of one situation where, um, high income earner had done really well paying down their mortgage on their right. home, let's say mid fifties, um, very low mortgage balance compared to a uh, high property value, mm-hmm. um, strong income earners, but oldest was about to go to college yeah. Didn't have everything that they needed saved, so had almost eliminated. That's reality. <laughs> this is reality. I mean, they had done really well paying down debt. Hadn't met me before, so hadn't hadn't done as well. <laughs> you gotta wave your <laughs> magic <laughs> wand, and you know. Yeah, this is, what I, this is what after I first met them. They had actually done very well saving in retirement, but hadn't done as well saving up for college. And at this point in time, didn't have the free cash. Um, to get their oldest through college. So that was a situation where because there was so much equity in the home, um, we were able to, I was able to recommend a cash out refinance and they'll still have the mortgage paid off before retirement and Mm -hmm. and all will be well. But um, so, you know, lots and lots of people take cash out of their homes for, to get their kids through school. I just always caution my clients and my listeners to just make sure you can afford it. Make that, sure you can part. you'll be able to pay it back, because unfortunately I've um, seen situations where people, you know, cash out refinance or 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 borrow from their equity line and and sort of doing it sort of do it blindly yep. and don't have a plan for paying it back. They're in and just because the debt is available to you doesn't mean you can afford it. Hundred percent agree. Um, so you do, you have to be crunching those numbers and making sure you can afford it, or or maybe you ask your kids to take on some of the debt. Well, right? one some of the nice parts today yeah. is with the, with the changes that came out of 0708. We were talking about it a little bit earlier. Is it's really hard for banks to put you in a over levered position in your mortgage at the time that we're analyzing it. Yeah. In in isolation nowadays. to it nowadays. Yeah, sure. Um, what you do with your credit cards after we close or what you do with your other debt after yep. we close, That's we don't have any control over. Yeah. So, you know, there's really good instances where I've got clients that come to me and want to do a cash out refi debt consolidation. 
Yep. You know, they, they started a business and they took $20,000 and put it on a credit card or listen, something came up and they, they had to use, use credit cards for it, medical expenses sure. or something. Yeah. And they're carrying large sums of debt at yep. 12 to 25% on, on credit cards and it's variable rate. Yeah. If I can cash that out of the house at four and a half percent in fixed rate, low payments for 30 years and give you peace of mind, that's not going to change and right. start paying down the principal on it. Right. We're happy to do that. But you got to have the discipline to not go out and okay. run those credit cards so back that's, up. So that's what I was going to say. So that that works well if the problem is already solved. Yes. Right? Like yes. if they're not going to be then just turning around and racking up another 20000 in credit card debt. Yeah. Right? If they um, are disciplined enough to pay it down on the same schedule or close to the same schedule that they were paying yep. it off so so that the, you just don't want that problem to compound. This is this is where I get nervous with cash out refinancing because in theory, you know, when you're having that conversation with someone in theory, right. you have to correct the problem. You can't be over, if we do this, you can't be overspending. We don't right. want you to rack up that credit card debt again. That conversation is relatively easy. What's difficult is reality right. And, right. and making sure that doesn't happen again. So right? some, some of the things that, you know, my wife Allison and I do in our personal life around budgeting, I try to apply that because our, personally, we're very, very conservative financially. Um, and so we've got all these budgeting spreadsheets. We're, we're true geeks and, yeah. and, you know, we manage every last penny. And there's clients that come to me and I know immediately we're going to do this because you've got the ability and this is your goal and like everything maps out well, but I've got a gut feeling that you're going to be back to me in 12, 24 months yeah. with a similar problem. We're going to have to figure out a way out of it again. Yeah. yeah. Just the body language, the way you're talking, you can feel out these situations. I'm sure you see them in your clients too. You give yeah. them a plan, but you know the plan might not <laughs> Well, those, pe those people <laughs> don't end up being my clients because <laughs> right? if you're not going to take the advice of a professional, why are you working with a professional? So. I like that idea. <laughs> I, I nailed it. Those yeah. people wouldn't be my clients. So yeah, really what I'll try to do is insert advice where I can and if they're open to some coaching on budgeting. Listen, my clients are my clients for life. So, you know, we talk about differentiators. At the <laughs> Whether they of the like show. it or not. No, I'm no, kidding. It, <laughs> it, 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 it holds true. Some clients will yeah. actually tell me, unsubscribe me from your, your emailings and everything. And then three months later, I'll get a random phone call from them. Hey, I need to do a refi. <laughs> well, they just oh. don't want emails in their inbox. It doesn't mean they awesome. don't like you, Jeremy. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we're, we're glad we're still engaged. But yeah. we do annual mortgage reviews to make sure that the appropriateness of your product remains consistent, that your goals don't change over time. Yeah. Um, so when we get into these refi situations, ideally, I'm talking to my clients once a year, just like you are. Yeah. And you can get a good sense of... Well, this is heading towards an issue. We yeah. got to sit down and have a more serious conversation about yeah. it. Um, let's talk about taxes a little bit because the tax code changed and it impacts mortgages. Yeah. Um, and I'm not a tax professional, though I'm working towards being a tax professional. But I, I have to add that disclosure that I'm not a CPA and I'm not yet a tax professional. I like to hire my tax. I just enjoy. <laughs> I enjoy taxes and I enjoy cooperating with tax professionals and applying it, applying it in my business. But. The tax code changed as a, as a result of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, and it mm -hmm. affects potentially some people's abilities to deduct the interest on their mortgages. It does. So the standard deduction is now higher than it was. This is effective in 2018 as people are going through to do their taxes right now. Standard deduction is now about twice as, as big as it was in 2017 and prior 
which means that yep. likely fewer people are going to be itemizing their taxes, more people will likely be taking the standard deduction because now for a married couple it's 24,400. Right. And so if your item if your itemize if your itemizations aren't that high, you'll be taking the standard deduction. Also, they have capped ability to deduct uh, sorry, state income taxes and property taxes at 10,000. So the combination of those two there used to be no limit to the deductibility of property taxes and state income taxes. Very and now those, those combined, your property taxes and your state income taxes are now, the ability to deduct is now capped at 10000 Wow. So with that cap and couple that with the fact that the standard deduction is now so high, many people that itemized in the past will be taking a standard deduction. I know that's impacted us. Which yeah. which trans which in my mind sort of translates to the size of your mortgage and the interest that you're paying is for some people might almost be irrelevant. So carrying a mortgage no for many people might no longer have the attractiveness that it had in the past. Because if you're taking a standard, your the amount of your the balance of your mortgage it doesn't matter, right? And your ability to deduct might not matter. So I got to remember we're, we're on radio and my smile doesn't translate yeah. over. So I'm, this might not be <laughs> great for your business, but I mean, certainly people will forever be taking out mortgages and refinancing and things like that, but it is impactful. So it's a really important um, thing to talk about though, because I think what you're hitting on is an idea, and it's actually two ideas. How do, how do you think about your home? Is it a lifestyle asset or is it a financial asset? And you yep. and I have had this conversation before. Yeah, yeah. And people that are managing their tax bills by the level of their mortgage are using their home as a financial asset. Right. And you're managing your leverage on that home to gain other benefits in your financial life elsewhere. Those are the same people that might be doing a cash out refi and taking all that cash and investing it in the S&P 500, which has performed at 11.8% over the last 30 years. And thinking that their mortgage is only going to cost them two and a half, not three and Ooh. a quarter because of the tax I just picked up seven but, points on a carry trade. Right, right. But so, that, the point is that that's, it's getting harder. The math is getting more difficult. Definitely. For that for Tax that consequences well. matter in that situation. Yeah. And, you know, it, I've had many people over the years say something to me like, well, I could pay off my mortgage, but I'm not going to because because I get the tax benefit from it. That's going to change. Well, but that never made any sense. And I think that that never made any sense because you'll always be paying more in interest to the bank than you were saving in taxes. Regardless of what's happened in the tax code, you are always paying more out of pocket and in interest to the bank than you were saving from a tax point of view. So, so it was always costing you money, even though it was costing yeah. you less than the pure interest rate. It was always costing you money. So for the people that were holding mortgages just because they got that great tax benefit, that really yeah. never made sense anyway. One of my favorite tools I have is a tool called Mortgage Coach. And we were talking about it a little bit earlier. Well, I thought that was you. <laughs> I, I wish. You're like an actual. It's trademarked. Yeah. It's, it's a great, great program started by yeah. Dave Savage out of the Upper Northwest out in Seattle. I believe he's in Seattle. Um, but it's a tool that I adopted early on in my career because it allows me to look at the total cost of each of the mortgage products that we're considering over the entire life, lifespan of that mortgage. And I can show them over different time frames. So the important part is when you're starting to make these decisions about consequences of reinvestment or tax benefits, yeah. you can actually make a to the penny analysis 
of, okay, what's your tax savings? Well, this is how much you're spending on interest over that same period of time. Does your logic hold water? Right, right. Because a lot of people come to you and I as advisors with these preconceived notions or something that they read on bankrate.com and it's a great conversation starter, but it might not apply in reality. Right. The other changes in the tax code are that there's a difference now between what they call acquisition indebtedness yep. and home equity indebtedness. Oh, yeah. Those are now two different things. You really have been studying this in your MBA class. <laughs> it's not an MBA. It's a master's in taxation. So it's more it's more focused, Jeremy, on taxes. <laughs> um, but no, this was, this was actually a, re a research article that I was reading. But and actually reading through the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which I have not read the whole thing, but reading summaries of it. So it becomes um, really interesting when you deal with home equity lines. And that's exactly yeah. what that's driving at. Right. So now, so home equity loans and home equity lines of credit used yep. to be fully deductible for yep. people. Yep. Now, if you use a home equity line, the first $100,000, regardless of what you spent the money for, use the money for. Mm -hmm. The first $100,000 is deductible, but dollars over that are not deductible unless it's for acquisition indebtedness, yep. which means building a home, purchasing a home, or substantially improving a home. So it has to be originated at the same time as the first mortgage in order to count as acquisition indebtedness. I don't actually think that's true. I think you can, regardless of the timing, you can use, if you use, if you take $150,000 of your home equity line sure. and you use it to substantially improve your home, to renovate your home, They're put not on an addition, that. that's, new, that's, that's new news to me. considered acquisition indebtedness regardless of the timing. But if you use that, if you took that same $150,000 on your equity line now under the current tax law and you use it on tuition, only the first $100,000 is deductible. And the rest is not because that's not acquisition indebtedness. Wow. You didn't use it on a home, on a residence. Learn something right? every so, Talk to your CPA. Really important. Yeah, because I'm, I'm pretty sure the timing doesn't matter, but it's what the funds are used for. So when the, when the tax law was written, we had a lot of back and forth where their in-house counsel with, with other CPAs sure. that were trying to advise yeah. on it. Yeah. And this has been a nebulous point. It's been something that nobody's been able to nail down. Because this is the first year we're doing it, and we're going to right. find out what accountants are just now going, what the going through the new tax code. Yeah, yeah. they were sort of probably took most of 2018 in their slow season trying to understand the changes in the tax code. Now they're applying it. So and, end of end of the year, what what we had been under the understanding of was that they had to be at at inception of the primary mortgage to qualify as an acquisition cost. But I don't I don't, I don't yeah, doubt I, that you're 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 reading it correctly today. There's right. been a lot of changes in the way people are reading this. Yeah. And you know, you can see whether it's on social or whether it's in the print media or online, th there's a lot of learning curve to this new right. ta tax policy. Right. They also capped the amount of um, in uh, home indebtedness that you could deduct anyway. Oh, yeah. They capped it at $750,000. Yep. But actually, if you do the math, like, if... If so, if your proper your income taxes and your prop your state income taxes and your property taxes that deduction is now capped at ten thousand. Mm -hmm. If you are going to be itemizing, mm -hmm. forget about charitable and medical stuff for a minute. There's only four. If you're a married couple, there's only fourteen thousand four hundred dollars of wiggle room before you get to the standard deduction anyway. Wow. And on seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars of debt, that's like a three percent interest rate. So it would be. It, the, the cap is essentially irrelevant because the standard deduction is now 
Do you, do you, yeah, do you I see totally what I'm saying? So like do, it, we work in a lot of charitable organizations to get, do you think that this is going to change donations? Yes, I act, yes I was, I've actually been reading articles about that, unfortunately, and, and now they're... There is, some, there is some concern that charitable giving will be reduced as a result of the changes in the tax code. Because wow. most, because I think, I think the statistic I saw was like, in the past, like 30% of people were itemizing. Now they think it'll be closer to 50 or 60% of people will be itemizing. Yeah. And so people itemizing, um, no, I'm sorry, I had that reversed. 30% of people were taking the standard, but now mm -hmm. it'll be 50, 50 to 60% of people will be taking the standard deduction. I know personally um, we, we went from itemizing to taking standard deduction this right, year. Right, so if you're taking a standard deduction, there's not as much incentive for charitable giving because you're not itemizing and that's an itemized deduction. Right. And so there'll be no tax benefit for that charitable giving if you're itemizing. Oh, now you're so going to see who does I, it for the warm fuzzies know, and who does it for I, tax reasons. I've actually right? read some articles <laughs> that there's some significant concern about um, charitable giving being decreased as a result of the changes in the wow. in the tax code, which is unfortunate. And So yeah. you work in a fi we'll see. financial advisory, right? It, when you talk to clients, I'm always interested to hear, hear different people's opinions on this. Do you advise that some portion of somebody's portfolio should be dedicated towards giving? No. No, I, uh, I, there's never any um, judgment on my side of the table regarding where somebody spends their money. Interesting. I try to, my approach is, um, no. So no, I guess if somebody asked me, I would, I would try to assess how much free cash flow they had and sort right. of advise them based on what I think they could afford without sacrificing their future mm. and their financial stability in the future. Um, but no, I feel like that that's not my place to tell someone where they should or shouldn't be spending their money other than saving it for the future or, or for their financial goals. But, um, no, and I actually don't think anybody's ever asked me that because uh, I'm social, like, I that's not my business where right? your money is spent. Yeah. On social, yeah. I follow a lot of the debt free community. Uh, believe it or not, I work in mortgage. It's kind of ironic. Yeah. I, I, I believe in being debt free. <laughs> Um, we try to make sure the, the, the vehicle is appropriate for right. the asset you're buying, right, but right. otherwise I don't believe that you should have debt. Right. Uh, you're right. It's a huge, huge emotional burden. Yeah. But following the debt-free community, it's been really interesting to see that. Debt-free community. I've yeah, never it's heard huge, that. huge. Darren Hardy and all, yeah. all these different advisors out there, you know, national speakers. But they, they always have this component that's dedicated to giving. And I, we segued from taxation to yeah. it, but uh, interesting. I, I just was always curious when I have these conversations with other people, like just how do, how do you conceptualize your giving? Do you, um, is it standard or is it? Oh, I think that's completely a personal choice. Yeah. Uh, but no, I've never gotten into that. I mean, actually, I mean, I guess over time there have been some people that asked me more specific budgeting advice, like how much should I, you know, there are times when someone sort of presents to me this is what I'm spending, what do you think? Mm -hmm. And I've always approached it as, it's really not my business to make a judgment regarding where your money goes, it's your lifestyle and, and it's your money and you get to decide. I'm here to say whether or not I think you can afford that. Mm -hmm. And if you need to cut back, you decide. Mm -hmm. And if you can spend more, you decide. If I think you can afford to spend more, then you decide where it's allocated. That's Definitely. not my business. But that's an interesting question, Jeremy. The debt-free community, never heard of it. I'll send like you, it's a I'll Facebook you, group or something? There's there's a bunch of people it. on there, yeah. baby steps, uh, you know, talk, talking about how to take 
different uh, approaches to paying down different buckets of debt over time. And we come here talking about mortgage and qualifications and everything yeah. and leverage, but one of the underlying ideas to all this really is, you know, people are burdened by a lot of debt. You, oh, don't, yeah. you don't think yeah. about it day in and day out, but whether it's student loans and your credit card revolving debt and your car payments and, yeah. you know, dealing with children and life insurance and all your other cash outflows, um, there's a lot of people that are switching their mentality about how they interface with debt and how they interface with, uh, with, with physical possessions. What's the new one where everybody cleans out their closet? If it doesn't bring you joy, oh, if it doesn't bring you joy, get rid her, of it. I don't know her name, but I've heard of her. Um, yeah, Mary, Mary, the, Mary, the petite little Asian woman there. She has a show Mary on Netflix. Com- Is that who you're talking about? Yeah, yeah I, I think don't, so. I don't know. I haven't seen that. But no. you know, it, it's this idea that you don't need these physical yeah. things that other things in in your life bring you more joy than the physical things that right. become so consumer oriented. Yeah. Whether it's buying a house, whether it's buying a car, it's you know, you don't need the mansion. And sometimes on paper, I need to tell you that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You, 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 what's that the, the song? Uh, you don't always get what you want. Yeah. It's a great stone song, right? Yeah. Uh, you don't always get what you want, but you get what you need. We're in the drive-thru with, with my oldest son the other day, and he's begging me for, for something off the menu. Yeah. It, and the song came on, and it, it, it's true here, too. Yeah. Right? You, you might want the million-dollar mansion. You need the four hundred fifty thousand dollars starter home right. that that that's your that need. That can provide warmth for your children, and yeah. ultimately that yeah. might be what what fits better in your portfolio. So you're not spending half of your gross income. You know, you're spending something yeah. more appropriate. Yeah. Um, what do you want to talk about? We've got a, f- a few more minutes before the break. Sure. And then um, after the break, we I kind of wanted to talk about second properties. I like to check properties. that, chat about that with you. Um, and then we actually, so then let's talk about that. And then maybe after the break, we can talk about, um, I always like to sort of toss out situations sure. to you. And sometimes we agree on, um, suitable recommendations. Sometimes we agree on what's suitable more. and when sometimes Change we my don't. Mind. I know. Make me think differently. Um, one thing I wanted to go back to after the break though, is this idea of, uh, cash out refi for renovation. Okay. Because I'm oh, seeing, yeah. I'm you seeing a that. lot of people that have been shopping since last year and can't find a house because our housing market's really tight. Low inventory, Low right? Low inventory, yeah. yeah this it's is a what real I've problem. Yeah, for a while now. Isn't it incredible how quickly things can change? It doesn't seem like that many years ago that we had such high inventory. Ten, ten years ago, I guess we, that we was had t- the crash. I guess that was ten, eight, ten years ago. Market but, cycles. Yeah. yeah. Um, so people are choosing to renovate, cash out and renovate. Actually, that's a question for you. When someone is going to put a $150,000 addition on their home, yep. what's most suitable? Cash out refi? Construction loan? Is, that, so is a construction loan for an it's addition? It's not a true construction loan. Oh, okay. Loan. okay. It, it, we have something called a 203K, which is the FHA renovation loan. Okay. Or, or you've got a, a, a Fannie Mae product called the home style loan. Uh, both That's, of them those are, are renovations. for renovations. Is a is a construction loan purely for new construction? Yeah, you, you new, own a piece of structure? land and want to oh, build okay. from the foundation on. Okay, okay. There's different. Is there, flavor. Any, is there any difference? Interest rates are different, or 
For construction loans, construction they're, loans they're structured are, differently. There's yeah. there's specific time frame. They're oh, shorter time frame, and then it's usually it's refinance. twelve months, and then there's either an automatic rollover to a thirty-year mortgage or oh, okay. uh, some, okay. some sort of follow-on product. So okay, so I guess what are people's options if they need? Two hundred, hundred fifty, two hundred thousand dollars to add a second story, to add a garage with a room over it, to add an in-law apartment. Terrific, awesome question. First place you can go is your savings accounts, right? Use cash if you got it. Yeah. But don't, but don't use all your cash. Don't use all your cash. Talk to Alyssa about where you can put your cash and, and get the best rates of return. And probably don't take fifty thousand out of your four hundred one k either. But people do it. It's you know situationally appropriate sometimes, but maybe not. You know, not always probably the best not use for of this. cash. Yeah. Um, so cash is the first stop. A lot of people next stop at credit cards. Can they go out to Lowe's and execute or Home Depot and execute what they're trying to do? And, you know, they might be a weekend warrior and they want to go and do a big deck project or oh, whatever. I wish I was like that. I right? wish I was handy. I'm, I'm such a hard worker. I would be good at manual. I would be good at construction because I'm a very hard worker. I can see you but on I HGTV. Just, I have no idea how to do anything. You you and Laura are running around with great building in, in the backyard building yeah. decks. <laughs> yeah. Kirk and I attempted, was like when we, I don't even actually know if we were married yet or we were like newlyweds in our first home mm. and we decided that we were going to replace the kitchen floor together and I swear we almost got divorced. It was like the worst <laughs> experience, and he will agree, it was the worst experience in our married life. We, we were just not, because neither of us are really handy and know what we're doing right. and we kept getting mad at each other and blaming at each other. It was awful. Yeah. So, so if you're not handy, great, like us, great segue. Yeah. If yeah. you're not, if you're not doing it on your own on the weekend, then you've got well, most most people can't put a garage and finish a room over it no, on their no. own on the weekend. But so you've got multiple different mortgage products that you then can reach for. You've you've got a home equity line, yeah, which is really it's a revolver. Yeah, it's like a credit card. It's backed up by your house. Yeah, you get really attractive rates on it. You open know, line of credit, variable open, rates. Open line of credit, variable rates. It's just each month over over uh, the Wall Street Journal published prime rate. So you're taking some risk. Yeah, you know, if interest uh, rates so, go up, it can work not work out in your favor. I'll walk yeah. back through the, the risk spectrum in a second. I'll give you all the products first. Okay. So the home equity line, that's revolver. It's You've got to have a certain ratio of debt debt to your house value again. Yeah. you got to have an appraisal. Um, next, you've got the cash out refi yeah. that allows you just to take out a chunk of cash. It's fixed. I, I overlooked. You've got uh, yeah. the, the home equity loan. Yeah. which is like a line of credit, but it's a fixed lump sum. And they just give you the cash. They just give you that cash, and it's a second mortgage. You don't touch the first mortgage. It's like a cash out, but it's a second mortgage. So you don't have to refi your first. Actually, so if you have a low interest rate on your first mortgage, but you might look at... It's subordinate to the first mortgage, nerd term. So mm -hmm. subordinate means it, it, in the pecking order of a bankruptcy, they're behind the yep. first mortgage. They get their money back second. So who wants to write that? So the risk is higher, so your interest rate is higher. Your interest rate is higher. So you're, but if your current mortgage is like three percent or two eight seventy five, again, ask me to put it in mortgage yeah, coach. I can it show might it to you. Makes sense. Yeah, it depends on the numbers. Yeah. So yeah. It re it's really situationally dependent. Ask Jeremy to spreadsheet it for you. And there you go. Um, and so you've got home equity line, home equity loan, you've got a cash out refi, or you've got the renovation loans. So if you're going to hire a general contractor, great situation. You mentioned putting a, a master bedroom over a garage or something or uh, you know, adding a second story to a ranch. If you're taking on a big project like that, we've got a tool that allows you to roll in those renovation costs 
and we vet the contractor. The bank vets it. They they, oh. they pay the contractor after all the inspections. There's inspections as you go through the process. They handle all the subs. So it's really like your own HGTV show at that point. <laughs> you're picking the finishes in the design, and you're working with a contractor. Do you pick your contractor or the you bank? You pick your contractor. Your and it's no different than if you actually were to pick somebody that's reputable. But so, does the bank negotiate with the contractor so the bank knows nope. exactly what the costs are going to be? Why would we, the bank do that? We don't, we don't negotiate on your behalf for, for the contractor. What we do do is make sure that they're licensed. We make sure that they have insurance. Oh, we make sure that yeah. they have the cash to complete the project. We look at, um, uh, we look at references. Claims, claims against them or anything like that? Claims against them, or? contractors, liens outstanding. Oh, okay. So we want to know the bank that has skin in the game, so they want to know that you're using bingo. a reputable contract. If you're going to rip the roof off of yeah, my, right. the house that I'm using as collateral, right? I, I Let's make sure it gets put back on. Right. Okay, that's fair enough. But it's a, so that's a. I'm sorry, that's a renovation. Renovation loan. And is it mandatory that the bank is involved with the contractor like that? Yep. Okay. Yep. So in it's a service to you, and some people bristle at it. But listen, if you're hiring a contractor to do fifty thousand dollar kitchen reno for you. If you're not putting in that level of diligence to investigate who you're working with and you're willing to hand $50,000 to Joe Schmo off the street without looking at them, yeah. you're taking a really yeah, big financial so that's actually risk. A nice, that's actually a nice benefit, I guess. You know, we're, yeah, we're, we're not a, a nanny bank. We don't sit there and over, oversee every last detail. But you got to be of a certain standard for us to trust you with the project. Yeah, um, fair enough. Okay. And a lot of people find those to be useful tools, especially when you're biting off fifty, a hundred, one hundred fifty thousand dollar project. That's something that's going to be paid back over a longer period of time. So having a fixed rate, being able to roll those costs into the loan, the loan considers the after renovated value of the home. So if you go out and take okay. a, a home equity line of credit, you're only getting credit for what the house is worth Current today. Value. Yeah. Not the improvements you're about to make. So you could borrow more if you go the home renovation loan route. You could actually yep. borrow more because they're saying, okay, your house is going to be worth X when it's exactly. done. Exactly. So if you don't have as much equity in your property now to borrow a home equity line, then a renovation loan is going to be more attractive to you given right. the amount you could borrow. There's a super okay. cool product called an FHA 203K Streamline. Okay. It'll allow you to take out 110% of the current appraised value. So if you're buying a house, it happens all the time in the current market. Place is a dump. You walk in, you've got 300,000 bucks to spend, and you walk in and you say, oh, oh my goodness, like I, I gotta tear out the carpet, I gotta do paint, yeah. I gotta fix a couple holes in the walls. It's an FHA product, so there's property standards. Like an FHA won't close a house if you've got like a leaf roof or a leaky roof. They'd ask that the roof be repaired before they okay. close it okay. to meet minimum property standards. Well, you can roll the cost of that into your loan, and without having to have the value of the property increase, they'll give you a little bit of wiggle room because some of these things because they know it'll be value. worth more when it's. Yeah, is this a renovation loan? It's product? a renovation loan okay. product. So, okay. with with the two or three K streamline, what we see often is that that instance of carpet or tile choices mm. and paint and you're you're buying a house with three and a half percent down because it's an FHA product. Uh, but they'll say, okay, we'll let you take out an additional amount above and beyond. And it might not really move the value of the house, 
but it brings the property up to standards. Okay. And without additional appraisal burden or anything, that it, they'll allow you that wiggle room. Okay. It's an awesome tool for folks yeah. that, you know, they're, they're struggling to get the down payment together. We've got really tight inventory. You want to find a way to have your, your Chip and Joanna moment. You, you can do it. <laughs> Chip and Joanna, that must be an HTTV show. Oh, come oh, on. Come on. We've already, shiplap, shiplap. We've already established that I don't have time to watch television, <laughs> Jeremy. Yeah, so um, we, we all see these I, uh, I house flipper shows. I know, yeah. And those people buy it off a lot more than the average, average consumer can, can deal with. Yeah. But... Get inspired. Make the home yours. Again, financial asset or lifestyle asset. Is this your yeah. home? Yeah. Or is it an investment vehicle? Yeah. Am, am I buying shares in a private equity fund or, or am I going to live in this place and do yeah. I not want to look at a mustard-colored wall for the right. next 10 right. years? All right. Let's take a break. I'm talking with Jeremy Devaney, Fairway Independent Mortgage. Uh, you can find him at, I forget your website. I apologize. DevaneyMortgage.com. DevaneyMortgage.com. We're going to take a break. We'll come right back. 